Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 27, Tony Scott and the Youth Hockey Hub, Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before we tap into this conversation, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. My next guest, Tony Scott, is the founder and creator of the Youth Hockey Hub, a website covering Minnesota youth and high school hockey on both the boys' and girls' sides. The site generates over 15 million annual page views, so they're a major player in the sector. Mr. Scott and his team spend an average of 300 plus days in hockey rinks doing interviews, making videos, or creating a podcast episode. This guy lives, breathes, and sleeps hockey 24-7. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming Tony Scott to the show. Tony, welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast. Wow, Pitt, that was impressive. I, I got to hire you to do my intros on my podcast. I, I've never done that <laughs> well before. Well, uh, you, it, you, it's amazing when you have a little script to help you and a little practice. <laughs> that was good. You put lipstick on a lipstick on a pig there. That was good. That was good. <laughs> so I, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to this because I, I've seen – your career evolve uh you know you launched the youth hockey hub back in 2011 and i'm like hey what's what's this all about and then over a decade you just never went away so we're going to uh get into that a little later in the discussion uh but before we talk about the youth hockey hub let's rewind the tape and start at the beginning because i like to give our listeners a little background uh, and the steps that it uh, took from where you started and where you are now. So give us uh, a little glimpse of your childhood. Where did you grow up? Uh, when were you introduced to hockey? Because I'm assuming you played it and other sports you played. Basically, give our listeners a time capsule of what it was like growing up, Tony Scott. Uh, okay, so that's a great question. I, I love kind of trying to you know, hit this and, but, but also make, make it interesting and short at the same time. So I grew up a sports fanatic, as you can imagine, I, I played every sport, you name it. I had three older brothers and an older sister who all played sports. So I didn't really have any choice and they all played hockey. They all played baseball. They all played football. So those are the sports that I kind of gravitated to, but I also fell in love with tennis and golf and Every other, you name a sport, if there was tiddlywinks, I'd put together a tournament. If there was a ping pong tournament, we would put a ping pong tournament together. We were always playing some kind of sport because there was really nothing for us kids to do. You and I are about the same age growing up. There was just nothing to do. So we just played sports and sports and sports. Some kids kind of got sick of us, but, you know, the ones that wanted a, wanted a game, we, I knew the 10 or 15 kids in the neighborhood always wanted a game. So I was kind of always organizing a game of some sort. Um, so that was kind of who I was, even at, even at school, you know, I couldn't wait to get out to the, to the playground. I couldn't wait to go gym class. It's just sports was kind of always a part of my life. I would get up and read the, ever, ever since I was in kindergarten, I would get up and read as much as I could read at the time of the sports page. So kind of a sports nut is who I was as a kid growing up. 
Uh, the first thing that pops into my head is the movie Shawshank Redemption. And yeah. Morgan, Morgan Freeman, how he's the guy that if you need something, you go contact him. You sound like the kid in high, you know, school where anyone needed something, go talk to Tony. <laughs> He'll figure yeah. out we'll get her done. <laughs> we'll get her done, especially if it was if it was a game or or something. We were, we always had a game of some sort to play um, as kids growing up. And there weren't a ton of kids in our neighborhood, but there were enough, you know. Yeah, and, you know, even for, like, outdoor pond hockey, I mean, you only need four guys, two on two. That's a great game. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. When we would grow up, we, I always called it, there was layers. I look back, there was, there was layers of games. So you'd go to Lake of the Isles, which is about five blocks from my house, uh, that was a big game, right? There was a lot of kids there. And then we would go to Jonathan Waugh's house, which is a couple blocks up from the lake, and we would play backyard hockey because his dad, John, built a rink, and his mom was really cute, and uh, <laughs> she would make lunch for us. And then we would go to my house a couple more blocks away, and then we'd play basement hockey. So there was, no matter what time of day, we were always playing the game or some type of game uh, in the neighborhood. That was a blast. So you mentioned Lake of the Isles, and you know we're both obviously from Minnesota, but uh, that place is kind of a cool destination to go in the summer. Uh, just kind of give us, give our listeners uh, what that environment is down there, uh, especially during the winter, because I, I listen to some podcasts, and you talk about that there's games at different uh, spots. There was like a big game on Lake of the Isles. Was it on Sundays? Sunday. The Sunday game was huge. It was right after church, so probably like 1 o'clock. You know, the varsity goalies would be there. The ex-varsity goalies would be there. So there would always be good goalies. And then there would be, you know, ex there would be college players there, ex-college players there, high school players there. You know, a, a real good Bantam like Tom Shorsky, he could sneak his way into that Sunday game. You know, or by the time I got to maybe be Bantams or first, you know, freshman in high school, I could maybe get into the game. And there would be 15 or 20 on a side, and there would be goalies, and the ice would get chewed up pretty fast. And that was always the big game. But, you know, they were just there on Sundays for a couple hours. The rest of the time was just kind of our own. Uh, it was kind of our own little oasis and the lake was weird because you know obviously because it's frozen right so all sides of the lake had all sides of neighborhoods so certain kids from certain parts of the neighborhood would all make their way walk on the ice and get to the warming house and there'd be games you know for the little guys would be outside the rink and then the bigger you were and the more advanced you were in the game you could get in into the big rink with with the boards <laughs> it sounds like it's mystery alaska you know you're you're in the basement uh, table for Thanksgiving and you're just trying to get upstairs to the main table and do the big game. <laughs> it's really what it was. It really was. And it was different though, because now you look back at, now you look at Minneapolis hockey and they're celebrating a, a state class A participation, right? Well, back then there was just way more hockey being played in the city. So Southwest was really good. The high school I would have gone to, but, but it closed was West. Uh, they were always pretty decent. Roosevelt with Reed Larson and 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 those guys were awesome. Uh, Minneapolis South put together a good team every years. Washburn would go to state, so there was just so many more high schools and relevance to high school hockey in the seventies and even into the early eighties. And now it's just like wow, they can just only assemble one team. It's kind of kind of sad, but it's just kind of a reality of what the hockey world faces today, and it's just a different game. 
So have you driven down there to Lake of the Isles uh, on a Sunday to see if anything remotely close is going on to what you experienced as a kid? You know, my parents passed away in 2016 and 19, but we would go to my parents for dinner on Sundays all the time into the, into the mid 2010, 12, 15, 16, like that. And it was, yeah, we would go there uh, and there would always be a game. There's still a game going down at Isles on, on Sunday. I, I promise you. It's just a tradition. That's awesome. I think I might have to go down there and uh, grab breakfast and uh, a coffee and walk down there and see if I can see what's going on. That'd be awesome. It's a spectacle. Uh, I swear to you, Lance, the, the, the warming house is the same warming house as when I was growing up. It's the same one. It's just, it's kind of a, because it's not there during the summer, right? You talked about that. It's just a, it's a motorhome. They just roll that thing in. It's got one of those oil heaters and it, you know, it stinks like <laughs> a warming house should stink. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it literally, it's like stepping back in time. Ah, uh, that's fantastic. So yeah, it sounded like you played every sport that could have been played. And, you know, when, when we were kids, you mentioned that we're around the same age. Yeah. You know, there, we didn't have the phones, the, the, the internet. Uh, I remember when my mom had enough of us on the weekends, she would just go, Hey, and she would be by the front door with the front door open. <laughs> and we know it was time to go. <laughs> and you just figured out, uh, what you do with your buddies. So, uh, you kind of gravitated towards a couple sports. One would be hockey and the other uh, was golf. Uh, as you progressed up through high school, uh, did you ever have the dream to play uh, one of the sports in college? And if so, did that materialize? Did it not materialize? What happened after you left high school? So first of all, my three best sports, is they were, I, I always joke, uh, Tom Chorsky and I grew up together. He had uh, he had arms like Popeye and I had arms like olive oil. So like sports that re were rugged like football and hockey, I just it just I I weighed 140 pounds when I graduated from high school. So I, it was just a much tougher sport to be successful in, as you know, right? Yeah, um, nice. Without without that muscle mass, but a hand eye sports. I was really good at ping pong, uh, was great at tennis, good at baseball, and good at good at golf. So those sports were all in the same season, but baseball golf and tennis. So I just, golf was something I made the varsity uh, team at Minneapolis West when I was in seventh grade. And it was, I was inspired by Tom Chorsky's cousin, Kate Strites, because she swam at Minneapolis West in seventh grade. I go, well, if she can swim at the West, I could golf. I'm better than everybody on their golf team. And, and I, <laughs> and I did, I made the golf team as a seventh grader and then just continued on. And it was just the sport that I had the most success in. And yeah, I wanted to be like you, Lance. I wanted to, played division one something or even division three something would have been okay but i really the u of m is what i gravitated to uh the coach at the u coach harvey was someone i knew really well and he said you should come and walk on i walked on i kind of just went through the experience i tried out i made the team i played in two invitationals that were held at the university golf course i really wasn't a viable member of the team i wasn't on scholarship and five hours six hours of practice a day plus having to pay for school it just didn't really work out for me to pursue it much longer than that. So I did, I did meet my dream. I met my goal and I knew I met my goal when I played in that, in those two invitationals. And I kind of knew at the end of the season, I'm like, all right, now it's time to, you know, move on with life and, and, and get an education and participate in the university at, at, in a fraternity, participate in the university at the Minnesota daily and everything else that comes with the U of M. 
Well, I'm sure that uh, your ping pong skills and that they bode well for college, you know, weekend games, you know, that might involve some adult beverages. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, that was the great thing about being in a fraternity. We could play, you know, we there was a wrestling tournament. I wrestled in that. We did a golf thing. We did, obviously, all the other sports, tag, you know, flag football, softball, hockey, all those things. And, yes, a beverage afterwards was always pretty refreshing. <laughs> so competitive sports – uh, basically ended uh, for you uh, after high school and a little bit into your freshman year at college. Uh, what passion or interest took over as you entered college at the University of Minnesota? Uh, as Was that passion incubating for some time as your long-term objective? And I know that uh, you, you early on had a, an interest in, in writing. Can you, can you touch on that when that uh, bug kind of got a hold of you and you started massaging that uh, passion? Yeah, it was just, it was like, I was really interested in working at the Minnesota Daily and they, because it was the world's, I mean, the country's largest uh, student-run newspaper. And so I, I got a chance to write some articles for them. I got a chance to sell advertising for them. I got a chance to make ads for them as well. So it was just a really cool opportunity and I got paid to do it. Um, and then after college, um, I got an opportunity to work at an ad agency and, and do some work in sales and accounting, account executive at an ad agency. So the writing, which I started to do at the university, I got to interview a lot of different people. Then there was, I interviewed crazy people from the U of M. Um, I interviewed legendary people at the U of M. I got to interview guests. So like uh, George Herbert Walker Bush was the vice president at the time. I got to interview him. Uh, wow. I had to go through, I had to go through CIA, you know, and all that, you know, background checks. Uh, when Gorbachev came to the, to the U of M, uh, when he visited the United States, I got a chance to interview uh, a couple people from his, uh, you know, entourage. That was pretty fascinating. I didn't get to interview him, but I got to, I just got to meet a lot of different people and tell their stories and write, you know, 500 word columns for, for the daily, which was a total blast. I would have loved to have covered you or covered uh, the sports teams, but the line was out the door to be a sports writer and there really wasn't a big line for campus life writing. So I just kind of took what I could get. Well, you could have tried to get the job of the mascot like Ross Bernstein did. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously I know everybody knows Ross, but, and I did know him in college really well. And he was much better at that than I could ever been. So, you know, I, I'm always, uh, curious when when people uh, have a passion to, to kind of just understand. So was writing uh, an interest for you before you got to college? I mean, were you sitting in your bedroom consistently writing a, a little bit each day just to kind of work on your craft or to kind of, you know, feed that appetite that you had? There really wasn't like, it, unless you're like a journaler, a guy who was writing in a journal or there wasn't, but you know, you're, you know, I, I took advanced placement classes uh, in high school and that really pushed me. And I had a lot of really good English teachers that really pushed us as how to build a sentence structure. So I always liked doing it, but it wasn't like, you know, you know, you'll know this, there wasn't a computer back then right yeah. so it was either i was going to have either handwrite it or go on my dad's typewriter right that stunk right it wasn't as easy to write and then when i got to the u 
they handed me this Macintosh computer and said, here, bring this home with you. So it was about 50 pounds. I brought it home, set it in the, at the frat house, plugged it in, and I could just write all day long and no one could stop me, you know, and, and I didn't have to like pull out the paper or do any of that crap. It was, it was just kind of, it kind of got unleashed in college more than it did in high school. Cause there really was no opportunity to write other than to write a paper, you know? Right. Right. Correct. So, so then you, you started even in addition to your, your classes and stuff. I mean, you were just consistently writing just to, to write and get a little better. And yeah, I, I, the funny thing is I had to write for every job that I had. I wrote at, at the daily, I wrote at an ad agency or either writing, you know, you were, you were constantly writing briefs and doing all those things. But the, the, the real writing started for me probably in the mid-90s, probably 94, 95. I moved back here, got engaged to my wife, and we didn't have any kids for five years. And I was, I was coaching football. I was coaching hockey. But I had this idea of a newsletter. You're going to laugh at this. I had this newsletter. Um, and it was about a year before I got married. I got married in August of 96. So it was about a year before that I would write this newsletter. I swear to God. And I would like, I thought of like maybe 50 or 60 of my buddies and I literally would write it. I would take it to a Kinko's. They would, you know, make cop 60 copies of it. I would fold it over. I would lick, literally lick the stamp and put the stamp <laughs> on there and mail out to 60 of my buddies. And, and I would write about whatever, go for hockey, the Michigan goal. I remember writing about that. I remember writing about the Gophers. It was usually about the Gophers or the Vikings or just something just kind of sports related. It would be, be a high school game. I remember writing about the Duluth East uh, Apple Valley game. Um, I remember just kind of writing about it and sending it to people. And then they would get it and they would laugh because there was always a little bit of humor attached to it. And then they would tell a friend and then the friend, would go, how come I don't get on the newsletter? And then I would add another guy. And it got to like maybe 200 guys between 95 and 2000. And I remember in 2000 uh, was the Gore Bush uh, election. They had this thing called web blogs. And I was like, what is that? And I never wanted to read about the Bush Gore election, but I looked at the tool that there was just these random people. They weren't journalists writing about and they were and their web blogs were having a huge effect on that election and i was like wait you're having a huge effect on election i could do this web blog thing and replace the stupid newsletter and then anybody could read it anytime as long as i had their email address so then my my newsletter became a web blog or a blog now they call it and by 10 years later i was just writing as a hobby and I had 3,000 people on my email list that, that wanted to get a, an update whenever I r wrote an update. So for 15 years before YHA started, I was kind of practicing for YHH, but I didn't know I was practicing, practicing for YHH at the time. So let's continue to take steps toward that. Uh, you were working at an ad agency. You got this web blog going now. Uh, what happened after that first uh, uh, ad agency? And then when did the idea of the Youth Hockey Hub kind of pop into your head? 
these are perfect questions so I can I can I can chunk it all into into in one little piece here. So my mom uh, was an entrepreneur, my grandma was an entrepreneur. So I left the agency right before I got married. My father-in-law wasn't too impressed by that, but yeah, I started my own agency. So I started my own agency in '97. Yeah, the the winter after my wedding, um, I started my own advertising agency called Multiply. So here I am, an entrepreneur, and I'm kind of building my own client base. Uh, we had we had 3M, we had Marvin Windows, we had. A lot of different local companies. We ended up growing into Dr. Pepper and uh, wow. Johnson and Johnson, and we had we had, we had a, a really nice client base. And and, and the reason I'm not I'm not bragging this up, but I'm going to give you how this fits into YHH. So again, you got this web blogs, and and now people are starting to use the the web. By early 2000s, we're using the website to Google things. There still wasn't Twitter. There still wasn't YouTube or any of those great apps, but enough where it was becoming an information source and I was using it to entertain myself and entertain my friends and I was building a business. Well, what did we, what did we do as an advertising agency? Probably 10, sometimes 20, maybe 30 websites we would build in a year. So it was a lot, you know, and by 2010, my son is a squirt in hockey and I'm getting, and I'm now back into coaching because I left coaching to raise my, my, I had a kid in, 2000, 2002, and 2004. So those years, I'm just working and blogging, and I'm not really active coaching. But once Jake turned five in 2005 or six, I started to get back into coaching again, which I love to do. And I was going online, and I was reading, wanted to read Let's Play Hockey, because I remember as a kid, I loved reading Let's Play Hockey, right? Love reading the rankings, or like reading articles about Mounds View won this tournament and Grand Rapids won that tournament. I kind of liked that kind of thing. So by 2010, I'm like, I wanted to read about, uh, maybe it was even your, your kids' teams. Uh, I wanted to read about the Wyzetta and the, and the Dyna teams that were really good. The one, remember Wyzetta Farmington? Were they in, was he in that, was Rem in that state tournament where they played over at Bloomington in 2011 or 12? Do you remember that? He probably uh, was. I Farmington. So anyway, I wanted to read about teams like that in 2010. And I went online, and I'm not ripping on Let's Play Hockey because they provide a great service, but it was a PDF. It was a website, but then you, if you wanted to read Let's Play Hockey, you would just open up a PDF. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, now that is a really bad idea. Somebody's going to come along and make a better mousetrap than reading a PDF off of a website. And that somebody was me. So... um I sat down with my brother, Scott, um, and we built a uh, youth hockey hub in the winter, the summer of 2011. And the rest is history, I guess. That's uh, crazy that you had the foresight uh, because right around, well, right around the same time, I mean, I, I had the idea, I think, in 2008 or nine, And again, this is still, the internet is... Not what it is today, but no. I I could see the power of the reach that you're not just local. You can go everywhere. And for you, it was being able to not have to lick a bunch of envelopes and pay for stamps to get the, your content to your buddies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you, when you talk about, because uh, I don't even think that like YouTube and, you know, they had figured out how to monetize the site. Did you ever, like when you had that vision before you even started creating it, 
did you already see that there could be advertising dollars that could be earned from there? That was my only vision. Really? I had no, I had no vision. I had zero vision of putting on a hockey tournament at that point. Wow. I thought I, and I was wrong too. That's the best part about it. I was dead wrong. I ran that first year. We had like a, over a million page views. I was calling CCM and it's calling Bauer and you know, I was calling all these people and they were like, we don't care. We don't want to advertise with you. You know, I was like, wow, I literally like probably $500 in advertising that first year. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is so much better than, than, the, than let's play hockey. We're advertising right now. We're reaching. Everybody's reading us. They're not reading let's play hockey. I can prove it to you. Well, they've been around and, and it took forever for people to advertisers to actually believe in us. It took five, six, seven years for them to actually believe that we could deliver for them. So I was wrong. But at the end of that first year, some guy from Edina, I'll never forget it, came up to me and he goes, you should put on a tournament. And we put on a tournament. It was an eight-teamer and we made $1,500. And that's still the best $1,500 I've ever made in my life. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's funny how you go into something, uh, you know, basically an unknown and you just keep on putting in the work and then different things just kind of evolve. But I, you know, I look at the the early days when you're trying to get advertising. I mean, no one did that before. No one knew the power of the internet. So no. you were just kind of waiting for everyone to catch up to what you already knew what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was funny. I mean, this is where I, you remember I said it was the best $1,500? Within three weeks, I remember it was in April. We did this tournament in, in March. Within three weeks, we had three youth associations reach out and say, hey, I saw that tournament that you did. You broadcasted the championship game on YouTube. It was really bad, by the way. Um, <laughs> you you were giving out player of the games and and you were writing stories about each game. I would write a full gamer about each game in this tournament, you know, like 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 it was like a college hockey game or a high school hockey game. And we were taking pictures with our phones. It was really bad. But they saw, everybody in the state saw it. They went, holy shit, that's a different product. Can you come and bring us that product? And the next year we're hosting the Blue Ox up in Brainerd and we're hosting the Big Pumpkin with Bloomington. In, in, and you guys played in that first big pumpkin, Rhett did with, with YZ. Did you remember that? Uh, unfortunately, that, uh, <laughs> that, that but, was, but, but the uh, point is, like, I had 16 teams in yeah. that tournament. I could have had 32 teams in that tournament. We had YZ, we had White Bear Lake, we had Shaska Chan with Andy, we had Janicky, we had Jeff Johnson, we had, I couldn't believe it. That was within one year. You know? Yeah, that, that was impressive. And, you know, for for a, a person who had 17 years of coaching, uh, you know, youth hockey uh, and then AAA hockey with the, the Minnesota Blades, you know, you, you'd go to so many tournaments. And if you if you had a pretty good team, you know, you might only get one great game in that tournament and the rest are just yeah. So to be able to to have one spot that had all the top teams. And for you in year number, <laughs> you know, the second tournament with the, the blue ox, you just knocked it out of the park. I mean, that was like a Fargo to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. And, that, and then we built the squirtacular and then it just kind of, 
every year we needed a little bit more money to add an employee, we would add a couple more tournaments to satisfy, you know, our revenue to make sure we were making enough money. Now we're at 22 tournaments, we're like too many tournaments, because it's like we don't have time in the day to, to do good podcasts like this one, you know. So we're, we're kind of trimming back now a little bit on our events just so we can do better and higher quality content. Yeah. You don't want to be a jack of all trade and a master of nothing. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. And here's a word from our sponsor, Sniper's Edge Hockey. Sniper's Edge Hockey is your one-stop shop for your at-home hockey training needs on and off the ice. Find the perfect start to your at-home training area with slick tiles, synthetic ice, or a rink liner. Or upgrade your home setup with one of our top quality training tools to help you work on soft hands, all of your deeks and dangles, perfect your one-timer, and improve the power and accuracy of your shot. Find it all online and in stock for immediate shipping at snipersedgehockey.com. So I, as an entrepreneur myself, uh, I know when you're starting something, uh, before you start adding employees, you're wearing a lot of hats and you're juggling a lot of balls. Uh, you've, you've built this. I know the, the early times, if you want to touch on that, but what, is a, what does a typical day look like for you today? Uh, is there an off season for you or a less busy time at some point over the course of the year, or is it just pretty much the same day every day? Uh, it's, that's a great question. Um, because I have some like built in breaks. Like I have, I have a few rules, like I I won't run a tournament on Memorial day, 4th of July, uh, or, or Labor Day. Um, hockey tryouts are my favorite things in the whole world. If they could be longer, it'd be better because as long as they're having tryouts, I can't run a tournament. So, uh, between like September 20th and November 1st, I got about six weeks off. You know, I still go to high school elite league. I, I do some podcasts. We're getting ready for the season, but it's a little bit more nine to five ish than, than the rest of the season. And then on big pumpkin, which is around November 1st, then it really goes hard. We go really hard from November 1st until uh, stars of tomorrow, which ends, which is the end of March. So I don't know how many months that is. That's five hard months in a row. We're done with the tournament at the end of our last tournament, Squirtacular, is the end of January. And people are like, oh, you're done for a while. I'm like, yeah, but we have uh, podcasts, we have video casts, we have section playoffs, district playoffs, region playoffs, section finals, state tournament girls, state tournament boys, state tournament youth. That's all in that seven week span. So it's not really a slow time at all for us, uh, those final seven weeks of the season. It's the funnest time of the year between me and you. I love that. I like not running tournaments. I love covering East Grand Forks and Warroad at the state tournament uh, the last two years. I've, I've had them in Pee Wee's this year, and then I had Bantams over at Braemar the year before. That's a blast when you get those guys that I know really well coming into my town to, to watch the game. I have to drive five, six hours to see them play. Yeah, and you guys are in a rink so much that the odds of you catching the classic <laughs> game uh, here and there, I'm sure you see a ton of uh, great hockey over the years. And uh, how cool is it being able to, I mean, like I said, you've been doing this since 2011, to see kids that were just little shavers at the, the Squirtacular that are now playing in college or professionally? It's a Lance, that is the greatest gift I get out of this whole thing, to be honest with you. 
Uh, I wasn't supposed to be, I, I, I was at the Frozen Four a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't supposed to be in this little hallway where all the locker rooms, the, the, kit, the, the players come out of the locker rooms to go on the ice uh, over at the, the Boston Garden. I, I, I was told later I wasn't supposed to be there, but I just felt so comfortable with Bob and, and Rabs and Gordo and, 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 and all the guys at the staff there. And I know all the players because they work my camps in the summer. So I was in there just BSing with them, you know, yeah. and here I got my press tag on and eventually a U of M official who I know really well. And I won't say his name comes over and goes, you know, you're not supposed to be back here. Are you? Do you? And I'm like, Oh, sorry. I just feel so comfortable with those guys. And it wasn't, I wasn't doing it. Like I'm better than the press and I belong here or whatever. It was just like, I just, I felt like I was at home with those guys and that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. It's because I've known them for so long. Here's Mason Nevers and I just shooting the bull and talking. And I was like, I didn't even realize that that was, I wasn't supposed to be back there at the time. But again, just, just so you know, this was on media day on Wednesday. So it wasn't like I was there on game day, you know, pumping up Mason Nevers or White Ahmed or anybody like that. It was on media day. So I figured it was like we could have access to this area as long as we weren't, you know, overstepping the coach's bounds. Yeah, if it was on a Thursday, you might have seen me come out of the woodwork slashing in the back of the <laughs> Deservedly so. I would I would never go near that area during game day. That's just kind of like I don't like to go onto benches and shoot photos during a during a game. And a lot of photographers will do that. I'm like, eh, that's kind of to me as a coach, it's kind of sacred ground. I don't like to go there. Um, I did it in the state youth this year because the glass at Cottage Grove was so bad that I would talk to Jeff Johnson or I'd talk to the guys, uh, Mark Cullen, and I'd say, hey, I'm going to jump on your bench for like five seconds, 10 seconds at a time so I can just grab a quick picture. You guys mind? And they're like, oh, no, no, you're cool. Do, it, do what you got to do. We know you got to get a good pick of, this, of a player or something like that. But I don't stand there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, because that's, that's a, the sport's the sport, and, and we're the media. The media should be it's, uh, removed from that. It's, it's always been my opinion. Well, the proof is in the pudding when you're in that type of uh, uh, work, you know, when you're trying to get, you know, bites or nuggets, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, when when you I mentioned before, you just haven't gone away and you've established a reputation. Uh, and if that reputation was crappy, you're not getting those opportunities. So that just, right. you know, says a lot about. Uh, what you believe in, what you're bringing to everyone, and that it's uh, full of integrity. Well, I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun. There's so many highlights. I get so many a year, but like my biggest highlights are when I go, get to go to like I, I was at uh, East Grand Forks this year for the Section 8A final between Thief River and Warroad. And here are these two towns just pack East Grand Forks, and it's a 3,500 seat venue. And it, it's just so much fun. The intensity. And the and, and the the passion and the pride, uh, it's all worth the five hour drive up to, to to Grand Forks to watch a game like that. It's so much fun. That's what I get. That's my big paycheck when I get to go to games like that. Yeah, and for people that maybe don't live in Minnesota, uh, it is special the the community based hockey that we have here. I mean, you could go to so many places around this state. And just go to the the rivalry games, <laughs> and it will be a packed arena. 
after packed arena and you will see the best hockey uh, you'll ever see. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really a magical place for winter hockey here in Minnesota. Yeah. You want me to talk about that? <laughs> I, could, I could write a book on it, how great it is and how I try with our website. We're trying to preserve that a little bit, Lance. It's like, it, cause there's, there it's, you can feel it. You and I grew up in the heyday of it, watching Neil Broughton and, you know, go from, you know, a, a, a local legend to not just a collegiate legend, but Olympic legend and then a professional legend. We saw, you and I saw Minnesota hockey come out of its shell and, and blossom onto the international stage with our own eyes. And I want that to continue. I really do. Yeah, and it, it, it will. Uh, you know, there's there's this not so much on the girls' side, but you know, especially on the boys' side. You know, you're talking about preserving it. There's just so much more opportunity for the boys to 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 leave early. You know, you're you're getting pressures from the college to go play junior in, in the North American League or the USHL, and you know, for these players like Casey Middlestat. Uh, that to come back and play his senior year just because he wants to have that experience with his buddies, you know, those types of stories are pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Every, it seems like every year we have one of those, right. And, and, and not everybody's path is the same. You, you know, Bobby Brink. I mean, he's a kid who's broken the mold, right? He left after his sophomore year and people are like, Oh, he's going to fail. I'm like, no, he's not going to fail. He actually succeeded and he succeeded big time, you know, and, and and so I, I always tell people like just let it's not a cookie cutter one size fit all, um, and he's he's a great kid and he's maintained his relationships. He he went a different route. He didn't play where his dad played. He played at Denver and won a national championship and was a Hobie finalist. Pretty successful, right? I don't know who mapped out his career, but uh, when uh, him Brink and uh, Andy Brink and Dave Snuggerud started Breakaway Academy down in Chaska, uh, Bobby was there and uh, my son was there and Rhett ended up transferring from YZ, uh and open enrolled at uh, Chaska High School, you know, thinking that we're going to have a pretty good team. And Bobby Brink, what does he do? <laughs> he goes to Minnetonka. They win a state championship and then he just moves on and continues to kick butt and take names later. I mean, he has had an incredible career and uh, actually – uh, Montreal is playing them tonight, so I'll be able to see him play if he's in the lineup tonight again. Oh, that'll be fantastic. All your yeah. worlds are going to collide there. I know. It is. Uh, you know, when, when a kid makes it or does something special, for me, uh, especially if you've been uh, part of their life or seen them from little to where they are now, just a, a quick movie that starts playing in my mind, just seeing them. You know, when they're in their basement, when no one's around, staying, you know, last one on the ice, first one on before practice, last one off, uh, the heartbreaks of, uh, you know, losing in a state championship and stuff. But just to still see the the perseverance and the the passion for the sport. And it, it isn't, you know, we always strive for the the wins and the losses, but, you know, these, these truly uh, – talented great players that ended up uh, accomplishing so many cool things uh the one thing that is consistent uh is they all are they love the process you know they you know are participating in the state tournament two weeks later 
triple a season starts and you got a tournament down in chicago uh we got to start getting ready for that and you just switch the gear and you keep on trying to move the needle forward a little bit so it's it's fun seeing these kids develop it is one of the biggest rewards for me i'll never forget it that's where we kind of started to get into college a little bit we're kind of to, uh, dipping our toe into the college ranks right now and more just from a Minnesota perspective, but we want to do it for real. Like we're ne- next year, for example, um, instead of just dipping our toe in, uh, we're going to make it a purpose of ours just to take a picture. <laughs> You're going to laugh a picture. We want an action photo of every Minnesota high school or, or every Minnesota kid who's playing division one hockey, we'll have them in our library. So we're going to make some trips to Duluth and, and St. Cloud and Mankato, and obviously down to the U a little bit and over to St. Thomas. And by the end of the year, we'll have a, a library of pretty much every Minnesota player uh, who's playing division one. So, and to us, because we've known them since they were, you know, since they were squirts playing in their squirtacular. It's, 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 it's a fact. It's not like it's some made up thing. It's, it's a fact. They all started here locally at nine or 10 years old and we've seen them play since then. And what I think is awesome about that is uh, one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because uh, I get in front of a lot of players uh, on a weekly basis that are striving for some lofty goals and, uh, you know, I'm trying to bring people on this podcast, uh, you know, from a player's perspective that have, have traveled that path and uh, where these young players, they can hear uh, not only the successes, but uh, the challenges that are going to arise. Uh, and, you know, they're unavoidable. <laughs> Everyone that I've interviewed uh, played hockey and no one had an easy road. So for you to be able to, you know, post stuff on players uh, where they can go look and see their journey um, and just to get something out of it, maybe if they're feeling a little down that to, to keep with it uh, is all just kind of the master plan that I've hoped for. So I'm glad to hear that you're adding that uh, to your uh, repertoire of stuff that you're already doing. You know, it's funny you should say that about challenges. Like, uh, we see – all we see is Bobby Brink, right? Bobby Brink, you know, won a title, did all this, and and, and he's probably had his challenges. I'm, I can't speak for Bobby. Um, but we've had – YHH faces challenges every year. We might make it look easy, but there are some major challenges, whether it be from uh, governing bodies or from competitors or from – there's there's every year we get spanked with something that's like okay we how are we going to overcome this you know this year so it's you know it might look easy that what we're doing but it's not easy uh there are a lot of challenges uh and a lot of a lot of things that we've overcome to to kind of get where we're gotten we've gotten so far so that that uh, another question has popped in my head you know because the, the landscape has changed with social media. Uh, I mean, do you, do you have confrontations or battles with like Minnesota hockey or U, USA hockey on, you know, some of the initiatives that you're doing? Yeah. You know what? Anytime you're in the opinions business, uh, you're going to get, you're going to, you know, get some people bent out of shape. So have we, has our, Relationship with Minnesota hockey been perfect? No, but I would say that's a really good relationship because they realize that we're trumpeting 
all were things that they trumpet as well. You know, community-based hockey. Are we in favor of that? Yes. I mean, look at what we do, right? Are we in favor of high school hockey? Yes. What do we do? You know, I mean, like we're, we are very well aligned, but there are just going to be times where we're going to be competing for the same off-season dollar. So we're going to we're going to be enemies in some ways for for, the, for that same dollar. Um, competitors for those, that same dollar, I should say, you know, so there are days that they're like that. And then if you have an opinion about the national development program, now you're immediately getting, uh, you know, at USA hockey a little bit bent out of shape. But if, if you have an opinion on it, you're gonna, you're not going to be Switzerland as much as we try to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. But I will say this, and, I, and I've been pretty on the record on this, is that I'm not a big fan of the national development program, not because it's, they're not developing players, but anybody can develop the best players. Does Chaz Lucius really need to go to Detroit to get better at hockey? I mean, I think he would have figured it out a 16 and 17 year old year, whether the USHL or playing high school or, or, or tier one or whatever. I think Chaz Lucius would have survived without that program. I think there's plenty of kids out there who could benefit from that program. Unlike Ch a Chaz Lucius. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does because uh, you know it's we've heard it before. The cream will always rise to the top, and you, you know as much as we try, we can't stop it <laughs> as coaches. Some of these kids are just going to get as good, but I I can understand that. Uh, you know, maybe it's something they'll hear this and they're like, you know what? Maybe we start like a B team. <laughs> I think they sh I think they should have a B team. That would be very successful. It would be it would be great for their brand. Um, yes. The other thing that I, I'm critical of USA Hockey is they don't embrace the state high school hockey tournament. They don't. And they should. It's the greatest amateur, youth amateur tournament by a mile in the, in the, in the United States. And they just, they don't ignore it, but they don't embrace it as much as you and I do, put it that way. And, I, and I'm openly critical of USA Hockey for that. Well... Uh, I guess we're lucky that we have you then, Tony. <laughs> well, someone's got to say it. Like, th there's a few things out there where just someone's got to say it because it's there and it's true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we have a little bit of that. But for the most part, um, we try to stay Switzerland. We try to, you know, we don't have favorites. People, although we think everyone thinks we love Edina. I'm like, Edina's in the winner circle and we're in the winner circle. That's why we love Edina. Um, it's, it has nothing to do with whether I'm from there or near there or whatever. It has more to do with, we, we go to the championship games and they win a lot of championship games. And so people assume we just love Edina, you know? Yeah. Now I think, uh, with all the, the entities that are part of this great game, uh, I don't know really any of them that are trying to be malicious. They're, uh, they're intentful and they, they want to grow the game in, in a positive way. So, uh, but like you said, you're always going to have a little hiccup here or there. Someone's going to get their uh, buns in a bushel, whatever, you know. Yeah, we definitely get that, you know, just because of Twitter, you know, we'll say something on Twitter and people won't like it. You know, we do get that every once in a while, but I don't think it's that often and they really aren't that harmful. No one's really gone after us too hard i've had plenty of fake twitter accounts pretend that they're uh me or yhh or something like that but you know those usually last about a week and then they, they go away but i i take that as a compliment just like uh we've had kids several kids over the last 
couple of years dressed up as Tony Scott for Halloween, which I think is kind of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so how, how many, uh, how many emails or texts have you gotten from moms or grandmas saying, uh, Johnny had three assists today, not two. You get oh, much more. God, it happens. Every tournament, it's a guarantee we'll get three or four. <laughs> and then we, and we obviously, after doing this 10 years, we now have a, you know, a stock response to just about every complaint on Twitter or every complaint on email. Like, you know, there's just, we, we just, we try not to, you know, get it. I always tell my staff, stay out of the weeds, you know, just answer the question with all score entries must be submitted by a coach. Yeah. You know, where it gets a little bit goofy is you as a, as a parent coach, me, me as a parent coach is when, when the parent coach is going in and adjusting stats for his son or daughter, that's yeah. where it gets a, that's a little bit awkward, but I just tell my staff, I'm like, stay out of the weeds. If she got three second assists, is that going to change our business at all? They're like, no, but she didn't get them. I'm like, I know she didn't get them, but you just smile and, and wave, you know? That's just part of the business, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, we've been going at it pretty good here, and I, I could probably just continue on for a few hours. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't even re- – yet. to be honest with you, I could crack a bottle of wine right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, I got a few more questions, if that's yeah. okay, Tony. No, no problem. Um, so my mom, who's never listened to a podcast before, uh, is now my biggest fan and is she listens to the, the podcast all the time. I'll get a text from her saying, oh, the Ross Bernstein story, he almost made me cry. Oh. Uh, when's the next one? I didn't want it to end. So you'll you'll get a, a text from me uh, after she listens to this and what she thought. But um, well, First of all, let me say you're very lucky to still have a mother uh, to, to support you because my, both my parents have passed and I miss them every day. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, next time I, I see my parents, I'm going to give them a hug and a Do little, it, please. Uh, in there from you, my friend. Um, but speaking of my mom, you know, she's not a big internet person. She, uh, like I said, I, I showed her the podcast, but she doesn't know much. She's never been on the youth hockey hub. So let's pretend like you're talking to my mom who's never been there. You know, why do people come to the youth hockey hub and what benefits do they get by doing so? Here's what I would tell your mom. What's your mom's name? Punky. Punky? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was a <laughs> name. I love it. Okay, Punky. So, Punky, imagine when, when Lance was playing for New Hope Youth Hockey, and he was a superstar. I can promise you he was. And he came on, and, and he played in a tournament, whether it be at Osseo or New Hope or St. Louis Park or Minnetonka, and they won the championship. And Lance was the MVP of the tournament. And he would have got his picture taken by one of our staff members. And we would have put it on on the internet. You would have gone on there. You would have read it. You would have been the proudest mom on the planet for that 15 seconds. And then (laughs) you would go back because Lance's friends who played for Armstrong, his friends and rivals who also played for Armstrong, his rivals from Cooper, they were on the website. And you knew those guys because they played summer hockey together. Then you would read that. And then you would go on there to see the rankings. And the rankings are in real time. So they get updated when every team adds a new score. They up, the, the sites 
updates itself immediately. So the scores that your team entered in gets tabulated immediately. So just those two reasons alone, you would come and visit. But then there's a million other things like YouTube videos and tournament previews and tournament recaps and broadcasted games. You could go watch your your son's game on our website. So there's just so much for you to see, Punky. Well, that would be my response. How did I do? Did I do that in a good enough tone of voice too? You you did. Yes, it was it was non-threatening. It was very right. comforting. You know, uh, I think she's very interested. And the good thing is, is that uh, she's got. Uh, three grandkids that are coming up the pipe that may play hockey or not, but uh, if they do play hockey, I think my mom is going to be a youth hockey hub enthusiast. I think she will be. I think so. So you have a sister or brother who's got kids that are coming up? I have a sister that has two, a daughter and a son, and my younger brother has a, a son. All of them are under three years old, I think. Three are they three. local? Are they local? Yep. They so they'll in, be when when are they coming to the garage? They got to be coming to your garage soon, right? I I, uh, I just had knee surgery about a month ago, and I was taking uh, I would take them out skating at New Hope uh, a few times before it got too bad. But so they're just uh, learning how to skate right now, and um, you know we'll see what happens. But if uh, if they do gravitate toward them, they'll be coming over here soon. Yeah, we'll get I them in for a little little work. I love it. I get you on a podcast pretty soon too, so Punky's gonna get d- double dipped. We're gonna ask a lot. I'm gonna ask a lot about Punky. Okay, she'll she'll love it. Um, if you just want to have a, a hockey mom too on the show, just to give uh, her perspective, she likes to chat. <laughs> I would love it. I would. I've never done that. I should do that. That would be really good. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you. Um, before I let you go, any new projects? in the works for you that you can share with our listeners that you got later on? I got a great one. You're going to love this one too. Um, We're launching a new product next year called Friday night ice. Um, It's not fully, it's, it's fully developed, but I I haven't built the logo and made the announcement yet, but we have one, we have an announcement coming up and a logo coming up, but Friday night ice is a, uh, uh, a product that a former teammate of yours and I concocted Jake Ennebeck. Uh, from tradition, uh, we are going to roll out a full broadcasted game next year. So when I mean full broadcast, there'll be three cameras in the rink. We'll have a pregame show with a pregame uh, team that will talk about the game. Uh, the rink will be full because uh, the mark the bands from each team, cheerleading squads are required to be in the game. So we'll have TV timeouts. It'll, be, it'll look a little bit like Hockey Day in Minnesota, but it'll be on Friday night. Uh, so this year we have, coming year, we have Rogers and Maple Grove, which will be two top five teams. We have Duluth East and Grand Rapids up in the Heritage Center. We have uh, St. Thomas and Creighton. And then I'm trying to think who the fourth game is off the top of my head. I can't think of it right now. Oh, Mankato East and Mankato West. Both the boys and the girls will come to Bloomington. All the games will be played in Bloomington except the Duluth game. So imagine a neutral site game. Uh, packed barns, bands in the building, cheerleaders in the building. Uh, it's going to be pretty special. That's awesome. And Jake Annabeck is part of that? Well, yeah, he owns tradition companies, or he and his family own tradition companies. And he and I had this concept. We've been building this concept for about a year and a half. And oh, now awesome. we're ready to unleash it. And I think once it's done, um, we'll have probably, instead of four the following year, we'll probably have eight the following year. We want to have, our goal is to have every Friday night, 
have a big game on YHH, play it on a neutral site. That is awesome. And so you the know, idea goes back to what we were just talking about. How can we make it so attractive to play high school hockey that someone wouldn't leave their senior year or their junior year? They would go, oh, I would, this is the best. I, I play in this. I play in hockey day. I play in the state tournament. I play in these section finals and these amazing barns. And it's a, just such a great, uh, great place to play, Minnesota is. Oh, I think that's, uh, that's fantastic. You know, who would have thought that, you know, I, I just read something on uh, Netflix that they lost, mi- you know, millions of uh, subscribers. And it's like, you got to consider yourself a media company now. Because, yeah. You know, you're, you're competing for eyeballs and you're putting on a product that is taking, you know, this Friday night ice that's going to take eyeballs away from Netflix and other platforms. So that's awesome. I, I think it's true. It, interesting. So I'm, we, we kind of touched on a little bit on YouTube. Uh, and the, the thing that really propelled us wasn't our website, believe it or not. It was Twitter and it was YouTube. Those two applications were fiercely important to how, how we could be build a product like we built. Without those two platforms, We'd still be a website. People would be coming to visit. You know, those platforms have been huge. Yeah, it's I. You know, I used to well think about it when we we're growing up. You know what what our guidance was. It was get a high school diploma, go to yep. college, get a job, get married, get a house, have kids, retire. Yep. I to be honest, I mean, if you're a college hockey player. You know, if you want to play college hockey, that's one thing. But uh, if you're just going in the business route, I don't know if you need college as much as you did before. <laughs> uh, you're, talking, you're talking to a guy who has three kids in college. Yeah, I, I think about it every day. And I, and, I'm, and I say that somewhat jokingly, but somewhat serious. Um, what skills don't they have already that they don't need, you know? But I, just, I agree. I agree to some degree. I agree with you to some degree. What I'm saying is that, you know, if you, if you need a degree, a college degree to get a job, that's one thing. But to make a living with the Internet now, the, the possibilities are almost endless. Um, it's the great equalizer. It totally is the great equalizer. So if you're a, uh, you know, a creative person and maybe don't know the direction you want to go, uh, and aren't going to play sports, you know, trust yourself. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Look at TikTok. It's crazy. TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, these these platforms are the great equalizer. If you have talent, TikTok will find you. You know, yeah. people will find you. They really will. It's kind of the same analogy for hockey, right? Uh, you look at Ben Myers, right? Ben Myers is, is in the NHL. No one believed it. Even scouts didn't believe a kid from Delano would play in the NHL someday, right? Here's what's crazy about him. And, yeah, he's – the kid's ridiculous. Um, so I didn't know this. And, you know, you asked before we uh, before we started recording if I went to my boys' games because uh, Rem spent some time with the Wild. So And my youngest was with the Gophers. So there was four games a week, and I told you that. I went to their first – home game each, and I never went to another game uh, the rest of the year. I didn't even know this, but Ben Myers, his dad and I played hockey together at Cooper High School. 
Shut I up. I didn't make the connection that we played together. And I, I got to reach out to him because I just figured it out, you know, a, a few months ago. But, uh, yeah, that'll be a fun conversation because I haven't talked to him since high school. Are you kidding me? Steve yeah. Myers was a Cooper Hawk? I didn't know that. I if I might have made a mistake on my due diligence, but I think that that's right. So it's <laughs> insane. Um, well, it makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the same direction, right? Yeah. No, but I just thought, how how didn't I see that? But again, you know, you get uh, wrapped up in what you got, what with what you have going on. I mean, I look at my life as a as a coach uh, before I got out of coaching. You know, every out of town tournament. I'm in the bar talking with players, you know, or not players, but parents, you know, having beers, doing that stuff, just having yeah. conversations, see if I can get some nuggets to learn a little bit more about how each kid ticks. And now I never go out. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I have my, my passion, my job of uh, what I do, and there's not much room for anything else besides my wife and kids and my immediate family. Uh, at least for the, the, the short term, but you know, much like you there, there was a bit of time where you had some imbalance, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. building that, uh, and it takes a while, but, uh, you know, hats off to you and, in, in what, uh, you have accomplished in, in Thank you know, you. a decade's time. Um, you're making the game better. You, you, you're connecting Minnesotans and, and, people from all over that maybe envy what we have going on here. And for you to, to keep that tradition going and to, to try to, with the end goal of trying to keep players here as long as we can before they move on, uh, just keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, the last thing I want to ask, you know, is can you tell us how people, if they haven't been there, where they can find you, the different spots, and I'll include this in the description. Uh, it's pretty time. simple. It's pretty simple. Uh, Twitter, Youth Hockey Hub. Um, YHH, our, our, our website is youthhockeyhub.com. Um, YouTube, Youth Hockey Hub. Everything is Youth Hockey Hub. You can find us on all of the, the platforms, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You know, they just keep adding platforms and we keep putting content on those platforms that, that meets those needs. And you... Uh... For companies that may want to advertise with you, you have those opportunities available? We do. We definitely do. We would love, we would entertain anyone who wants to uh, push their brand, um, you know, advertise themselves, uh, you know, from to a, hot, a really big hockey audience here in Minnesota. I think we're the best spot for it. Awesome. Um, I can't. Thank you enough for taking the time. I think this was a, an amazing uh, interview. We got, we dug deep. We peeled yeah, back we layers of the onions with you there, my friend. Well, uh, we got we got one more. I'm going to get you in a, in a week or so too. So we'll, we'll we'll really peel back the onion then. Yeah, no, this has been great. Uh, like I said, I um, really happy for you. I, I love when someone comes up with a, an idea uh, and makes it a reality. And like I said, you're not going away anytime soon. So continued success. And if there's anything that I can do for you, Tony, to, to help with your business, or if you need me to help shovel some rocks, a little landscaping, you know, I can send my wife over. <laughs> <laughs> Would love it. So thank you very much and continued success and look forward to chatting with you soon.
Thanks, Lance. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey podcast. As you heard, you can have a successful hockey journey. It just may not be as a hockey player. I love hearing stories of people that have an idea that pops into their head. They accept the call to adventure, strike out on their own, and start putting in the work and begin creating. Thank you, Tony, for making your vision a reality as it connects so many people and stories, not only from Minnesota, but around the world, and the heartbeat is the Youth Hockey Hub. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you got something positive from the interview, and if you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might like this episode as well, please share it with just one person. It will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon, and do me a favor. Make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.